Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 186. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will dive into the book of Deuteronomy. But I'm going to do this session in kind of a survey fashion. Why? Because this was, you'll recall from the last session, Deuteronomy is the second law, the second telling of the law. And so we've already gotten most of the concepts, most of the doctrines, when we studied Numbers, as well as, of course, Genesis, Exodus, and, uh, and Numbers. So uh, this is going over a lot of things that were already told. Why is it in here? Well, <clears throat> recall that uh, all of the people who were under Moses' care died in the desert during their 40-year wanderings, except for Joshua and Caleb. At least all of the men did. And, and Moses, well, Moses ultimately dies uh, before he reaches the promised land as well. So Moses has to instruct these, uh, you know, the new generation before they take the promised land. Okay. Um, now, we also covered last time that the book of Deuteronomy was thought to have been written centuries and centuries later, probably in the 600s BC, which would have been about maybe 600 years after the actual events. Uh, so recall that. Go back to the last session if you, um, you know, if you need a review of that. But we're just going to go through the text in kind of a, um, an outline form, if, if you will. Um, read it if you like, but realize that much of this is going to be a repetition of the concepts that we just saw in Numbers. You know, he gives them a history lesson, which is Numbers, basically. So that's why I'm not saying open your Bible to uh, Numbers chapter 1 or whatever. But it'd probably be a good idea to do that anyway, because I will point out some key things that are worth underlining as we, as we, we go through. As I mentioned, you know, we've got in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we've got, you know, uh, quote-unquote Moses telling about them leaving um, the, the Mount Sinai and the 12 scouts and the threats of revolt and uh, taking their unsuccessful invasion. All these things, again, are from Numbers. Um, and so then we see them crossing northward into Edom and the Moabites and uh, the Ammonites and all that sort of thing and the defeat of Sion, which is in chapter 2, verse 24 of Deuteronomy. If you like, you can write in your margins next to that. See Numbers chapter 21, verse 21 through 26. Uh, I'm not going to give you a lot of verses here because this is a class on doctrine, uh, not on literature and not on history per se. And you've already had that in Numbers. Okay, but one thing that I think uh, I should point out a couple of places here uh, is that uh, Moses keeps reminding this new generation who the real hero is. Uh, one example of that, one of many examples, is in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 33. Um, it says, The Lord our God has delivered him to us, and that is to say one of the, the enemies, the defeat of Sion. 
And uh, again, the defeat of Og in chapter 3, verse 3. And thus the Lord our God delivered unto, his, unto our hands Og, the king of Bashan, and so forth and so on. A number of examples of that. Because um, he wanted to make sure that the people understood that it is God that is to be worshipped and not a mortal hero who uh, is is doing the, the will of God. And, and we have to remember that ourselves. We need humility, right? And so when you yourself do some wonderful thing, we you need to take a step back and realize it was God who did this wonderful thing. Uh, you know, he gave you the skills and the opportunity to perform, to do whatever it is that, that you did. So um, chapter four now, there's a little bit from verse five through verse eight, which is uh, uh, explains in a way why Israel was God's chosen people. They were supposed to, they were supposed to, uh, follow the Lord and trust the Lord so that they would be an example for the other nations who would say, wow, these people follow God and God blesses them. Maybe we should too. Okay, so we are God's chosen people. If you're listening to this, this session or any of the sessions, you know that God puts you on earth. You're probably tired of me saying it by now. To do what? to love, to, to know, love, and serve God in this world so as to be happy with him in the next. So how are you doing on, uh, well, if you're listening to these sessions, you're, you're doing your best to uh, know God, and that's very important. But loving God, uh, of course, can't teach you to do that. And uh, serving God, that's something that you do outside of these types of, of classes. So that's why the, they were, so if you ever hear a Jewish person say, oh, well, we're God's chosen people, you can at least think to yourself, uh, yeah, they were chosen for what? They were chosen to tell the rest of the world about God. And sometimes they did well, and as we will see later on, sometimes they didn't do so well. Okay, and hence comes the new, new covenant. Okay, um, here's another uh, command, if you will, to um, teach your children. And this would be worth underlining. It's in chapter 4, verse, uh, let's see, verse 9. I want you to underline this. Um, the, this is the second part. Teach the, in essence, teach the faith to your children and to your children's children. So your grandchildren, right? Um, teach them that there was a day on which you stood before the Lord your God. And, you know, teach them, teach them the faith. A couple of thoughts on that. Um, a study recently was showed that people bef born before 1960, or I should say Catholics born before 1960, about 50% of us, of, of Catholics born before 1960, Go to Mass once a week. The statistics are much worse for uh, Catholics born after 1960. Apparently, less than 20% of Catholics born after 1960 go to Mass once a week. So that's pretty sad. So 
Uh, I blame parents. I blame parents because parents don't insist that their kids go to Mass, and they don't teach them the faith. Remember, the family is to be the first church, if you will, for, uh, for children. And how you reinforce Catholic teaching in your own home is uh, a determining factor on whether your child will embrace the faith, uh, continue to embrace the faith later in life. I know my parents, that was one of the few rules they had is you will be at Mass on Sunday. There was no discussion. That's it. If you, you know, if, if, and I, I always went along with that and I'm glad I did, although I probably wasn't too glad at the moment, I wanted to play baseball instead of uh, go to mass, but they made me go. And, uh, you know, I guess just the process of osmosis, enough of it got in there that I, I knew, uh, I may not have listened as well as I should have, but I knew that God loved me. And I knew that I needed to have a relationship with him. Maybe that's all I knew. But I wouldn't have known that had my parents said, well, you can decide for yourself whether you go to Mass. And more importantly, they went to Mass. And they would talk about it. And they would reinforce the church's teaching at, at home. So that's, uh, that's very Im important. So you might say, well, my kid's real strong-willed. Well, we have strong-willed kids because we don't have strong-willed parents. You know, parents who say, look, you're going to Mass. You're going to religious education and all that. And um, so uh, consi consider that. Um, and, and I would have you underline this Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, which talks about make sure that you teach the faith to your, your children. Okay, moving on, um, he encourages them, uh, you know, again, in verse 40 of chapter 4, keep, keep the statutes, okay, how are you doing there, and commandments, and um, that you and your children after you may prosper. And we recognize prospering not in terms of material uh, success necessarily, but rather to, the ultimate prospering to us is to uh, go to heaven, right? And so uh, we we need to take that seriously. Um, he just he just drills it into them. Now, chapter five, uh, starting in verse six and on, you're going to say, "Well, I've seen this before too." Again, we haven't really seen any new stuff here. But I'm just giving you the outline of, uh, of these chapters here. Uh, chapter 5, verse 6, maybe you can win some money on uh, a game show one time. Uh, if the question is, how many times is the Ten Commandments listed? You could say twice. And this is going to be the second time from chapter 5, verse 6 of Deuteronomy, all the way to... Uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, still um, in the same chapter, chapter 5, uh, from verse 6 through verse 21. Not going to go over those again. Why? Because we looked at them before. In your margins, you might want to write uh, in, in there, uh, see Exodus chapter 20, and that's for the where they were listed the, the first time. 
So I'm not going to go into any great detail on, on that. Chapter 6, he says, okay, um, these are the commandments. Follow them. Um, and he, he keeps saying, uh, so that your son and your grandson may fear the Lord. When you, By the way, when you see fear the Lord, uh, words change meaning over time. And fear uh, is, is probably, a, a, there's probably a better word than fear. What that meant at that time was respect, awe, you know, hold hold God in uh, in awe, if you will, not fear such that He's going to hit you with a bolt of lightning, um, but rather just hold Him in awe. I mean, and how could you not if you look at the beauty that we see just looking out your your window, the trees, the the sky, and and, and people, and all of these things. Now, um, I would also have you underline in chapter 6, once again, if you didn't get it the first time, you have a second opportunity, or maybe a third in Deuteronomy, underline chapter 6, verse 7. Um, well, verse 6 and 7. Verse 6, take to heart these words which I enjoin you today. Drill them into your children. So, you know, just think of multiple uh, um, uh, you know, if your multiplication tables that you drill into your kids, what's three times three? What's four times four? Uh, drill the faith into your kids so that they know it. Okay. I think it's sad that kids don't, or for that matter, adults now, because we've all grown up, you know, we, many people had permissive parents and uh, they didn't learn the faith themselves and they have nothing left to pass along. So uh, learn your faith and then drill it into your kids. It actually says, drill the drill it into your, your children. Speak of them at home and abroad, whether you are busy or at rest. Um, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, you know, the, the commandments, etc. So how do you do this with your kids? Well, uh, how about reading your kids' Bible stories? You know, there are illustrated books, you know that you can read them when they're little, little tiny kids learning to read themselves. That's how my two kids learned how to read, is from reading Bible stories. I would read it to them, and they'd look at the pictures, and then they would try to read it back to me. And it, it was great. What about another thing, like uh, have religious images in your house, pictures, uh, pictures of Christ, statues of Christ, things like that. Um, kids will eventually ask about those things, and it gets, it's a teaching moment. What about the things you wear? Uh, wear Christian jewelry, wear a cross, you know, things of, of that nature. And um, so, so much of this is about teach your children. Um, now we're on to chapter 7, and he's, he basically says, Look, I don't want you to hang around those pagans, okay? And definitely don't take on their practices. In essence, he's saying, you are supposed to change the world. Don't let the world change you. Uh, he's very, very uh, adamant about this. In chapter 7, verse 5, he says, tear down their altars, the altars of the pagans. And all. Smash their sacred pillars. Chop down their sacred poles which are basically phallic symbols, symbols, and destroy their idols by fire. Um, 
And he, he says, uh, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll be blessed if you do that. Um, and he closes that chapter in verse 26. He says, don't bring any abominable thing into your house, lest you be doomed with it. Loathe and abhor it utterly as a thing that is doomed. So uh, that's not just idols, but uh, don't bring anything into your house that's going to get uh, in the way of your relationship with, with God. Uh, now, just as a teaser in the moments that we have, we're on to chapter 8, and we're going to see a verse that Jesus uses, okay? Or I should say, Jesus' response to Satan. I want you to underline chapter 8, verse 3 where uh, it says, uh, you know, supposedly Moses is telling his people in the Old Testament, not by bread alone does man live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. Okay, so I want you to underline that. And then in your margins, write Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. That's Jesus' response to Satan when Satan told him, you know, the temptation in the desert when Satan told him to turn the stones to bread. So when somebody gives you a temptation, ideally you ought to be familiar with scripture so that you can find a scripture that, uh, you know, that helps you avoid that temptation. Remember, when Jesus was confronted with these temptations from Satan, how did he respond each and every time to those three things? He answered with scripture, okay? At least the last two, if not all three. I could be wrong. I could be wrong as to the first one. But anyway, he used scripture, okay? And you can do that too. All right, you should. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to convert Satan, but you can strengthen your own resolve, okay? Chapter 9, last thing we'll talk about real quickly, is, you know, it's basically, he says, like in verse 5 of chapter 9, it's not because of your merits or the integrity of your heart that you are going in to take possession of this land, but the Lord your God is driving these nations out before you on account of their wickedness, so that's part of it, and in order to keep the promise which he made on oath to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we need to remember when we're successful in things, who we give credit to. And um, uh, that's, of course, God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that uh, this, what we've covered here today is uh, basically a repetition of what we saw in Numbers. But it's important for us to, in order to drill our, these concepts into our own minds, to continually study. We don't just read the Bible once and say, oh, okay, I've read it and put it away. It's there for, to guide us always, as is the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for your continued guidance through our continued use of Scripture and through the Holy Spirit who will direct our paths. Um, and we thank you for any success that we've had. We realize it comes from you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>